blustery morning it's a flurry sunday morning we're in our comfy cozies mary's niece francis the dog is here sitting right next to me for moral support she's 360 gorgeous (laughs) not a bad (laughs) angle in sight (laughs) we're here to talk about the year in film 2004 in a in one word woof Speaking of Francis. Speaking of dogs. <laughs> this is the 77th Academy Awards. The 77th Academy Awards. Honoring the films of the year 2004, as Mary said. This takes place in the year of our Lord 2005. The ceremony is three hours and 14 minutes. <laughs> uh, it has 42.1 million viewers. February 27th, 2005. Hosted by Chris Rock. Viewership is down 3% from last year. <laughs> you don't get that Lord of the Rings bump anymore. Thank God. This is Chris Rock's first time hosting. The year 2004, like I said. This is a pretty weak year. I feel like it was the one-two punch of 2003-2004. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> We're not doing well. There's definitely a slump. You can also tell in the production design of the stage. It's like nothing I mean, is interesting like there's just every okay this is a really bad year in film but my god is this one of the more chaotic chaotic incredible oscar ceremonies i've ever seen i think bonkers is the only bonkers for sure the The choices that were made whoever produced (laughs) this was like let's let's stir the pot a little bit and I bet they never produced it again because some of the some of the choices here are genius and should never be made again, and they weren't. Okay, I can tell you who produced this. Let's hear it. Gil Cates, uncle of Phoebe. No way. Who was seventy years old at the time? Absolutely. And guess who goes on to produce next year's as well? <laughs> Gil Cates. Yeah. No way. The same year, this man received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> but that's next year. He's like, we're just having fun. We're just having fun out here. Um. Well, that's unfortunate. He didn't bring the same level of chaos to the following year's ceremony. But I'm glad he got it in once because... he tra- He's trying some stuff. He's He's making some choices. We will get to it. Um, listen, 2004, let me paint a picture. Picture please, this. Please picture this. Paint a picture. Okay. 
Shrek 2 is the highest grossing film. Yes, it is. This is the year of Wicker Park, White Chicks, The Village, When a Date with Ted Hamilton, Stepford Wives, Saw, (laughs) House of Flying Daggers. This is a, this is the year Troy and Alexander came out. This is the year Troy rocked my world. (laughs) In a very Bugs Life, Ants kind of way. Both those movies came out. Oh, for sure. Troy wins out every time troy troy is a bug's life life. yes absolutely so this year ronald reagan died we love to congratulations millie bobby brown is born (laughs) (laughs) huge year for the biopic most prominent genre was biopic which previously had quote suffered from a lack of prestige interesting so i feel like this is the year that we're like ray "Mm." walked so walk the line could run yeah everything else could run um the titanic notebook love story the way we were i have a question because the notebook came out this year yeah does every generation have a move like the notebook is ours titanic i can't accept that the notebook is our titanic i think our i think we are old enough that that titanic is our titanic and the notebook is like on this is like for the children maybe i don't I mean, I was probably the right age for it, and I was obsessed with it when I was a kid because I loved Ryan Gosling. Sorry, folks. Doesn't hold up. And you know what does hold up? Fucking Titanic. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, wait. 2004. This is huge. This is the year every <laughs> evil comes to play. Okay. okay. Mark Zuckerberg launches Facebook. Oh, my God. George W. is elected for a second term. Oh, boy. Okay. The first privately funded spacecraft is launched. Okay. That's... Yep. Okay. Foreboding. And at the same time, the deepest cave is explored. Oh, no. So we're going up, we're going down. (laughs) I just feel like cave exploration, I'm like... I always think of the Goonies when she's like, Bran, God put that rock there for a reason. So I just... <laughs> what are we doing here? Things are getting cuckoo. Cuckoo. Choo-choo. Yeah, choo-choo. And that's 2004. Wow. So a lot of the chaos we're living with right now had its inception in a very weak year in film. Oh my god, that's now 20 years ago, Zoe. Gross. Not insane. <laughs> I feel like a, similar to 2003, and this very well could be just because I was the right age for it, was a great year for movies for kids in like tweens mm. and a bad year for everyone else. I think it was a good year for biopics and docs. Huge year for docs. It wasn't like... Yeah, it was a huge year for docs in terms of, like, people actually w- saw them. Pre-Netflix, like, people weren't going to see documentaries in theaters. And I feel like Super Size Me and Fahrenheit 9-11 kind of changed that. Well, we also had Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. Ugh. And one of my favorite documentaries of all time that I watched as a kid and haven't watched since, so excuse me if it doesn't hold up, Dig. What's that? It's about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Ooh. They're like band feud. Oh, I've heard about it's, this. I remember being like, this is cinema. I've I've heard this is incredible. I can't believe I didn't watch it. It didn't come up on my radar. Was it not released theatrically? I think it was, but it just like, you know, 
You had to be like, damn, a little indie loser like me. No. Okay, don't try to shroud this in loserness. You know you're fucking cool. I was cool. You're well. watching Brian <laughs> Jones Town Massacre documentaries at the age of 12. Like, I was 15. The Passion of the Christ is released and makes is the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. I remember so specifically when this movie came out, I was in Catholic elementary school. Damn. And Miss Burns, shout out, my fifth grade teacher came back from the, the weekend. Dead? Came back from the <laughs> dead. She has arisen. Um, came back from the weekend and said, she, and told us she had gone and seen Passion of the Christ opening weekend. She said it was very good, but very violent. and that we shouldn't watch it oh see that's interesting because i was in 10th grade at a seventh day adventist school (laughs) (laughs) and we had to watch it you did yeah how was it it's very violent (laughs) (laughs) we also had to watch braveheart at that seventh day adventist school and that was you know what this is australia they had a hard-on for mel gibson painting a picture of what this year looks like i feel like a theme we've kind of talked about is the rise of the ip centric film a, a, a movement towards ip and sequels obviously there were films that had sequels before this but people are really doubling down on it now um post l-o-t-r h-p <laughs> we've got shrek 2 harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban spider-man 2 the this incredibles the box office uh-huh the passion of the christ the day after tomorrow i fucking love that movie this is where mary and i diverge <laughs> because i cannot handle disaster like they're too real for me. They're too scary. Yeah. I couldn't finish The Last of Us. Do you know what I mean? It's like Yeah, I mean the day after tomorrow is like a Roland Emmerich movie. It's like Okay, I But it was like pretty ahead of its time. I don't want to drown in a library. Okay. <laughs> Iconic. I think it's a mixture of eleven year old me, Jake Gyllenhaal, mm, New yeah. York. I did see it. Dennis for Quaid. Jake yeah. I have a soft spot for it. Um, Meet the Fockers. Troy, Shark Tale. Remember Shark Tale? Did you ever see that? I was... My younger sibling, I think, watched it. Because I was a little too... I remember making up dances to the song from Shark Tale in my basement. Car Wash? Car Wash, yeah. Yeah, I do remember The redo of Car Wash. Um, And Ocean's 12. Huge. Should we get into it? Let's I get mean, into it. Yeah, right? I have Painting a lot a picture. of... Where were you? I guess we sort of have. I was in elementary, Catholic elementary school. I was about to start 10th grade. The world was in chaos, as always. My world was in chaos. Yeah. As a teen. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting to think of you as a teen at this time. Being like like a moody, I would assume kind of whoa (laughs) kind of uh big swing big hit you're right (laughs) i was this is like my i'm listening to my music um you know okay so i'm about to turn 16 i'm 10 (laughs) 
every year we're like, by the way, Mary's younger. By the way, I'm so young. <laughs> this is still 20 years ago. <laughs> I think, okay, I've taken a lot of notes when we watched every movie. So Okay, we, I love that. I think we will sidebar quite a bit. I tend to only take notes when I hate something. Mm. And there's a lot that I hate. That's okay. That's interesting because most of my notes are forgotten state. Exactly. So there were some, I suppose, formative movies from this year that I had never seen. I had avoided Garden State at all costs my entire life. That's a badge of honor. It it was. And then I had to watch it. So. I lost that. It finally got you. Ugh. See, it was huge for me. I, and that makes sense. And you know what? If I had seen this at that age, it would have been huge for me too. I, I cannot stress how much I hated this movie. It's everything that can be bad about independent movies in one movie. I'm trying to think if this, like followed the formula or created the formula i think it followed it likes to think it created yeah like men going through something it just made it worse it took the formula and double down degraded it men going through something always need an innocent or sardonic woman to shepherd them through it that's what i've written it's so embarrassing to me it's every frame of this movie is embarrassing i'm driving my twee little motorcycle to to my suburban party (laughs) devoid of culture and i'm the king (laughs) and i live in la this movie also was such a trip to watch as an adult woman as a former it made me sick as a former manic pixie i found this very confronting zoe don't do that that you were married there's no way no the affectations the performativeness yeah i'm a cool girl not like a regular girl okay but that's the thing about this movie is that she's not cool like there's nothing and i don't think she's supposed to be she's just a she's a middle schooler with an old soul had you seen million dollar baby i had not Again, a movie I avoided like the plague. I remember seeing it. Okay. Do we get to it? Here's... Okay. Do we get to it? The title of this episode (laughs) is called Chekhov's Stool. And Mary and I both will die on the hill that we came up with that. (laughs) So we're just going to leave that out there. I can't say I was surprised by how horrific it was having seen Mr. Quiver the year before. This man is obsessed with Torturing women. Torture and poverty porn and um, the class darkness. Is alive and well. There's no light. There's no light. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. For There's no hope. There's no... Mm. There's literally no positivity. Yeah. And also, no nuance. <laughs> that is not That's... a word in Clint Eastwood's vocabulary. I've never seen a more depressing movie than this. And none of it is earned. It's just like a series of unfortunate events happening to this woman. Yeah, and then there's and like she's no not even the main character. It ends with him killing her and, and that's walking out the hospital. The end. And that's supposed to him killing her is supposed to like be his arc, like his redemption. All right, should we get into it? Best supporting actress. Who was nominated 
Kate Blanchett, The Aviator, Laura Linney, Kinsey, Virginia Madsen, Sideways, Sophie Okonedo, Hotel Rwanda, Natalie Portman, Closer, Kate, LOL. Kate is the first person to win an Oscar for playing an Oscar winner. Who did you have, Mary? I'm going to, of course, keep Kate Blanchett. Um, okay. Mother and father are just nuts about Luddy. <laughs> She, yeah. Come on. I, she's the only good thing about the aviator. No mm. question. She's definitely not the winner for me, though. Okay, interesting. I also have Sophie Okonedo, and I also kept Miss Laura Linney. I think my favorite thing about doing this podcast is, like, being delightfully surprised by something I did not think I would like. Uh, so true. Example Kinsey. one. Kinsey. That's- I... I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Um, I'm going to throw in Kirsten Dunst for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I I think my adoration for Kiki has been established. Noted. But um, she is absolutely heartbreaking in this movie when she realizes that they erased her memories. Spoiler Spoiler alert for a (laughs) 20-year-old movie. movie. Um, It just, it gets me every time. Her little braids. She's so... Okay, and then when she realizes that the doctor is coming over and she's like, what? (laughs) She has incredible chemistry with Mark Ruffalo, with a sleeping Jim Carrey, even. I just, I love her... I think she should have been nominated for at least three Oscars at this point, And this is one of them. Okay. Um, my winner, very clear to me, Rachel McAdams for Mean Girls. I like, what is there left to say? But I do think it's one of the best performances of all time. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that movie has stayed in everyone's hearts and minds. And I think it's because of her and the screenplay. Mm. and no one else could play that part there's something okay i feel like she elevates regina george she absolutely does because i don't even see her as like queen bee i see her as a teenage girl with severe rage issues and internalized homophobia and that is why i love her because i feel like all of her little like feminine wiles is so performative yes like it's not organic to regina george to be like femme and like twirly that's such a good point it's like she is playing a character within a character yeah and that's why at the end when she's like playing lacrosse or whatever (laughs) it is that is the real like that version of regina is the real regina as we know right we see that the whole movie like yes retroactively yes and i I think i think you're absolutely right you nailed that i 1000 percent agree with you i think it could very easily have even with like such good dialogue could have been more one note just like she's the opposite of clint eastwood she is the opposite (laughs) of nuance she is nuance absolutely mom can you go fix your hair is one of the funniest (laughs) things because it's so mean mean. (laughs) (laughs) but she says it like her delivery of that line is all time 
there is not a single moment in the movie where she doesn't have the best timing you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, you're so right. This, like, rage that just sits be- just beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know she's what I'm saying. She's looking two steps ahead. Yes. I don't think she's ever engaging. She's, like, playing chess. Exactly. Yeah. It's like she's not engaged in the current conversation. She's thinking, how will I manipulate this mm-hmm. to go my way in three three back and forths? Incredible. It's a master class in comedy, in drama, in rage, in teendom. I'm not, there's no facetiousness to add, like adding Mean Girls here. No. I'm like 1000% serious. It's one of the best movies of the year. I too had Rachel McAdams. Okay. I too had Kate Blanchett winning the eight, winning. Okay. Excuse me. I too had Kirsten. Yep. I also had Lily Tomlin and I had Huckabees. She should always be nominated for everything. Okay. She's huge for me. Yeah. She was huge for me when I saw this movie at 15. Mm, mm-hmm. And I feel like there was an element of like returning, like Lily Tomlin coming back. Yeah. I also had Kate Blanchett for Coffee and Cigarettes, which is... I don't know if you can do that. You can be, you can't be nominated for two different things. You can be nominated for two different things, but they have to be separate categories. That's why, like, Jamie Foxx, even though he was clearly the lead of Collateral, went supporting for Collateral. Okay, but Stephanie Soderbergh. I think it's different for directors. This is something we'll look into. But, okay, keep going. Um, anyway, she does play twins. So in my world, Love that. we have three Kate Blanchett <laughs> characters. <laughs> the more, the better. I just really liked Coffee and Cigarettes and I, this was my chance to include it. Okay. I have her winning for the, how come of Yotter because I just, that's an Oscar winning role. I don't know. Yeah. I, she fucking crushed that in a movie that had the most Let's nominations the this year this had was nominated for 11 oscars okay not my favorite yeah mary did not like this did you i i thought there was elements like the beginning where i liked that madi used the same cameras or techniques as the era that he was portraying so it changes Howard Hughes's life, like we've talked about this. Yeah. His real life was so much more interesting. Like this guy fucking sucks. Sucks. But in a re- in like an interesting way. A very compelling way. And they it's like I never understand putting a sheen over a biopic for someone who's no longer alive. Like what yeah. is the what point for you? To try to make this man seem sympathetic. Yeah. Yes. Do you think that's more interesting? Because it's not. It's not. Like this. What's interesting is that he. Didn't he like invent the push up bra? This man was so obsessed with boobs that he invented a bra to stop them from jiggling in a car. Yeah. Because he wanted to like make sure they didn't sag. (sighs) What a piece, what a piece of, of, shit. of shit. His love for tits is so unpure <laughs> that he felt he had to control them. Whoa. See, that's so much more interesting than like, like, oh, this guy has like OCD. Doesn't like and, germs. Yeah. 
like, like it's fine if that's part of it but there were so many more things about this man that were far more interesting this feels very harvey to me being like well we have to make this story palatable for 80 year old academy members living in like retirement communities together you know i also think who probably like remember howard hughes picks from totally. when they were 20 i think like gross men don't think the gross stuff is interesting because they do it too <laughs> yeah they're like well yeah <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. like well that's not newsworthy right but um, one i don't get why marty made this movie with harvey after an atrocious experience doing games of new york and i also don't I, i'd be so curious to hear why he chose to go in this direction with howard hughes also angelina jolie dropped out because of javi she was supposed to play i think gene hollow and she was like i'm not working with javi weinstein that's right she knew um leonardo dicaprio is not good in this movie this This is is his like this is the start of his downfall Mm. i have written down if only leo would be with someone like kate blanchett i would think he's the best actor in the world and i don't mean in this movie specifically but i think this goes along with insane about leo of like he is not a successful actor as he gets into this new century because he shows his hand of who he is as a real person more and more i've just been struck with the comparison of like paul newman being married to joanne woodward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah Whereas, imagine if Paul Newman was single his whole life and only dated women who were up to 25 and was, like, very public about that. We wouldn't feel the same way about it. Hell no. No. I mean, again, people have said it before. 25 is when your brain is fully developed. Thank you very much. Anyway. That's another hill I'll die on. Um, so, I also just want... we Okay, wait. Speaking of Javi, I have Miramax, Disney, and Universal. So, maybe the shuffle of like yeah making this movie was probably hell on earth yeah yeah absolute hell um and we cannot end our discussion on the aviator without pointing out the irony of alec baldwin portraying a man named juan (laughs) (laughs) okay supporting actor (laughs) um winning was morgan freeman for million dollar baby Alan Alda for The Aviator, Thomas Hayden Church for Sideways, Jamie Foxx for Collateral, and Clive Owen for Closer. What do you, What do we have, Zoe? What do I have? Yeah. Let's hear it. I keep Clive Owen, and the, then things get weird. <laughs> this is the only one you keep? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hit you with Matt Damon, Ocean's 12. I'm going to hit you with Scott Kahn. Oh, my God. 12. <laughs> my king, Scott Kahn. <laughs> Your king cartoon himself oh my god okay i'm gonna hit you with jason bateman dodgeball a true underdog absolutely <laughs> oh my god and maybe the least controversial controversial actor but most controversial film <laughs> philip seymour hoffman in along came polly oh my god okay but she i went she went with chaos for this one and i i'm sticking to it who do you have as winning honorable mention tim and the elephant and the girl next door oh my god <laughs> listen i have clive owen winning for close up because the absolutely 
Absolutely. Talk about like, okay, this is the exact kind of man that I hate. Uh-huh. I hate him. Because you find him attractive? Find him attractive. He's disgusting. Disgusting. He hates himself and women. Yeah. But externalizes that as being horny for them. Absolutely. A true agent of chaos, but disguised as like a regular guy. As a doctor. Yeah. I, okay, Closer is one of those movies that I saw at like way too young of an age. I like, 11 i was probably 11 when i first saw <laughs> as closer. you said 11 i pictured natalie Pullman in the strip club removing her underwear exactly Whoa! um this is a movie that like do you know those movies that sit with you as a vibe and it like mm. it's like ooh, i want to tap into that vibe and then when you watch it you're like it's not very good but then that vibe stays with you like this movie is a certain vibe that i crave sometimes not actually horny but like has the stench of horny (laughs) um hot people drama it Mm. this movie is is like a melodrama basically based on a play based on a play it's very play (laughs) it's it's so play it's so play but i also have clive owen winning i think he is and i've realized now the reason that this movie has stayed with me is because of him i do think he's the best part of it watching it it's been it's a fun not a fun movie it's an interesting movie to watch at different stages of like development absolutely and watching it for this podcast it really drove home like he is fucking phenomenal in this movie everything you just said about how he captures all these facets of masculinity of like his hatred shows as horniness Mm. that that was brilliant by the way (laughs) um but his line readings are so fucking good yeah and they're so like venomous yeah, it feels like, you know, how an- how um, actors do, like, animal work sometimes? Oh, my God, yes. It feels like the most animalistic, They're like, one all... of the more animalistic mo- performances I've I've ever seen. Wait. Like, that's... he is, is it a shark? Something with teeth, it's for got, sure. It's something with teeth. But there's something so primal and base about his performance mm-hmm. and it's really it makes obviously everything is more confusing when he's so fucking hot <laughs> yeah. and has just like the best voice i'm so glad they let him keep his british yeah accent me too because i just think things get lost when it's not your real accent yeah he can really wail <laughs> he can let fly i just remember watching this when it came out being like Wow, is this what it's like to be an adult? Fucking kill me. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone was just... I was like, but I stop also, fucking each other. But also my deranged little brain was like, this is what being an adult is. <laughs> this is sexy as hell. And now you watch it, it is deeply, like, deeply unsexy. <laughs> the things that we take in as children and unlearn as adults. 
just also want to shout out Jude Law in this because he is also he, so great. Yeah, he's really, really good at playing the man who thinks nothing is his fault, and he, but he's like totally the agent of chaos for everything. Yeah, he's honestly like the more sinister insidious character because he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing okay so you had clive owen yeah clive owen winning and then i my cup did not runneth over for this category i I only had two and i'm gonna steal jason bateman because i can't believe i forgot fna (laughs) iconic he's on the screen for eight minutes and it's and it's all indelible from this movie yeah that's not true i just it's it's eight minutes of delight. It's probably not even eight minutes. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like three minutes and thirty seconds. You know what it was? It was Viola Davis in doubt. We were like, Absolutely. This is the performance. <laughs> can I get can I see this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Just him smacking on that gum with that uh, crazy hair. He I've heard him like describe doing that movie and he's like, Yeah, I was there for like a day. Bro, like and you know what? You should have been nominated for an Oscar for that one day. Sometimes, again, we, you know, I'm not being facetious here. Comedy is not respected. No. Especially not broad comedy, which is very difficult to do. If we're get, this is always going to be my touchstone. (laughs) Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids. What's the difference? Yeah. Truly. Yeah. They're both fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then the only other one I had was Thomas Hayden Church for Sideways. Okay. Be- you know when I said Clive Owen, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but you know when I said Clive Owen was the kind of man that I hate the most? It's actually Thomas, Thomas Hayden yeah, Church. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sideways. Here we go. Rewatching this as an adult. Wild. I, I do not care for this movie. This the movie only. So this, okay. This was my note. Of this movie. Sideways is a teen sex comedy for middle-aged losers. And you know what? That's the definitive... And not in a fun way. (laughs) That is the synopsis. But I will say Thomas Hayden Church is incredible in this movie i love thomas hayden church oh me too but that's why this makes i'm just like see to me paul giamatti is the more like upsetting one because he's just like (laughs) he's so pathetic there's because he he's so unwilling to even like try to live and like try (laughs) to like try to experience joy Yes! At least at least Thomas Hayden Church is like giving it a go. It's completely Yeah, but he's living for him. It's so selfish and so male of him. It's, but at least there's upwards something. He goes through a, a hell of his own making and then comes out the other side like, unscathed. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, really upsetting. Even when he gets beat the shit out of in the parking lot, he still comes out like he still he gets still everything. gets to get married, and his what? The thing that really sent me to the moon with rage <laughs> was that his bride is just like, "Hi," and has no fucking yeah. clue. Well, that that to me is Alexander Payne. Okay, best original screenplay. Okay, here we freaking go. Best original screenplay: Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Aviator, Hotel Rwanda, The Incredibles, Vera Drake. 
Now, before we go anywhere, I just want to point out, Mike Lee said that the screenplay for Vera Drake was like eight pages, <laughs> and most of it was like basically an outline. So, what mm. the fuck? <laughs> oh, brother. This was a stretch for me. I'm happy with my five. Okay, let's hear it. I obviously keep eternal sunshine. Yeah. The Incredibles, I keep. Yep. I I throw in Life Aquatic. Okay. Because I have to. Okay. Birth. Wow. And Collateral. What? I found the story of Collateral very compelling, even though I hated how the movie looked. Fascinating. Okay. Um, you you don't have both. Beth was crazy, dude. No. Yeah, I do. Okay. Sorry. I'm just surprised you did. Birth feels like the the a movie that you would be like, you so would. <laughs> that you would say that to me. I'm surprised you didn't nominate the little boy for supporting. I actor. knew you would get me get so bad <laughs> if I did. If we're talking about collateral wait, can we go back to collateral? Sure. How did we not talk about Mark Ruffalo in collateral? Holy, Holy fuck. fuck. <laughs> this, we, okay. Okay, the, the other incredible thing about this podcast thus far is discovering Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo performances, <laughs> i.e. in the cut. And again, he plays a fucking hot cop. Yeah, he's really good at, like, hot cop, which yeah. is very upsetting to me. Yeah, it's not something I wish for, but he nails it. Okay, but also, along with what I was saying before about movies that delightfully surprised me, Collateral. Yeah. I fucking loved this movie. Yeah, I thought Despite it was... how ugly it is 80% of the time, it's if this looked like Heat, it would be one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it looks so disgusting. Fucking ugly. I'm sorry. Nothing is more upsetting than Michael Mann's 21st century, like deep dive into digital when he made the just the most delicious movies on film manhunter that was great oh that was great anyways sorry um okay original screenplay who was your winner eternal sunshine same um i also kept the incredibles i also had birth Mm mm-hmm I'm going to throw in Anchorman. That's a movie I didn't really like until very recently. Until I watched it with my girl Zoe. And then I found it delightful. Probably because I was I, laughing. I <laughs> do not care for Adam McKay. Which is noted, yeah. Has that been noted at this point? Probably. Um, Certainly in our friendship. Yes. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, National Treasure. Bitch, I had National Treasure and crossed it out. I cannot not give voice to my 10-year-old <laughs> self. This will forever be one of my favorite movies. I, yeah. It's my favorite subgenre, historical fiction treasure hunt movies. <laughs> there are about three movies in that category, National Treasure and The Da Vinci Code. Just wait till 2006. It has Nicolas Cage, who's my favorite actor of all time. Like, I went, I was so fucking excited to go to Washington, D.C. 
in sixth grade because of National Treasure. <laughs> National so Treasure cute. changed lives. It made kids excited about history. I I was so excited to go see the Declaration of Independence. You wanted to declare. I was like, I was buzzing. I was so excited. I was like, so cute. I walking around DC. Anytime I go to an East Coast town, I think of National Treasure. When I live in an East Coast, when I went to Philadelphia for the first time at the age of twenty-two, all I thought was. National Treasure. Oh, National Treasure. Boston. Come on. It's an incredible tale. It's an ingenious idea. Yeah. This is a good story. That's why I originally had it. It's such like, a good yeah. idea. Yeah. If I came up with that, I'd be so proud. A hundred million dollar budget. Absolutely. Every dollar's on the screen. Every dollar's on the screen. You think if they made this movie now, they would have gone... To Boston, to Philadelphia, to Washington, D.C. Everything would have been shot in a soundstage in Vancouver. (laughs) Thank God for 2004. Thank you, Jerry Bruckheimer. Best adapted screenplay. Yes. We have Sideways winning. Okay. Before Sunset, Finding Neverland, Million Dollar Baby, and The Motorcycle Diaries. Do you want to go first? I'm going to keep before sunset. Mm-hmm. I really only have four here. I'm going to add closer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add Harry Potter and the Prisoners of Azkaban <laughs> because, my God, is that a perfectly paced, perfectly told story? Okay. And we have to talk about it. Who else you got on this list? Why are you so unwilling to talk about Harry Potter? <laughs> All I want to know is what you thought. They're for babies. Like, in what way? They're for children. Like, all of They're them? They're kids' movies. Well, yeah, but all of them? I am absolutely shocked and concerned the level of trauma in these kids' movies. And it's... <laughs> but it's about friendship! <laughs> I don't think so (laughs) it is it's about child trauma not even childhood trauma but like children in trauma interesting and because i saw them as a 34 year old woman i have no emotional connection like nostalgia I i will say though i do feel like you liked the first one you know what i love a reference I love references. Mm. I love comedy that relates to something that I I get. (laughs) (laughs) Harry needs a hug and a lie down and a hot (laughs) cup of tea. Okay. Leave Harry alone. Okay. And he shouldn't have to be so strong. You're right. Um, But my winner, my very clear winner here is Mean Girls. Um, Yeah. Does not everything hold up? Sure, but most of it does. I'm sorry, Tina Fey knocked it out of the park. Oh, but it's like classic Tina Fey where it's like joke, 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 joke. It's joke, 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 joke. You have to watch it like five times to hear all of the hilariousness. And you know what I picked up on the last time I watched it? All of the like an imagification, that's not a word, of like (laughs) of teenage rage. There's like kind of some a certain level of violence in the movie. 
like when she kicks the stereo into his head or like the animal stuff or at the end there's like a level of violence to it that I think is such a smart way of further personifying teenage girl anger and rage I just think it's this is so incredibly well done Okay, also shout out to Tina Fey for naming her character Janice Ian because one of the greatest songs of all time is 17 by an artist named Janice Ian. Right. And the lyrics to that song are so heartbreakingly beautiful. And it's even in the movie at one point. Yeah. But just, I love her little, like, reference to that. Yeah. Um, I had Closer. Mm-hmm. I had Before Sunset. Yep. I had Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. I had Ocean's 12, and I had Sideways. Okay, who's your winner? Mean Girls. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess I'll throw Sideways in there. I just like... It's very successful at what it's doing, even though I don't like what it's doing. It, it is successful in its attempt. I think they're obviously supposed to be losers, but there's a warmth Yes. written a warmth towards them That's written it into is. it yeah, that yeah, is yeah. completely unearned and very telling yeah when people tell you who they are believe them believe them um all right wait so sorry yeah paul haggis wrote million dollar baby of course he did okay here paul we go haggis <laughs> and clint eastwood ruined early 2000s cinema the success of Million Dollar Baby is about to launch Paul Haggis into the most unowned stratosphere for this the next because year. Because of Million Dollar Baby, we get Crash. Okay. Let that Paul Haggis in. has... Oh, I guess he didn't win for this. I just... Those two men are so, like, exemplary of that time period. Um. Okay. Best actress. Hilary Swank, Million Dollar Baby. Annette Benning, being Julia, Catalina Sandino Marino, Maria Full of Grace, Imelda Staunton, Vera Drake, Kate Winslet, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Who do you got? I'm keeping Catalina. I found that very affecting. I've got Abby Cornish for her somersault. This, she's basically, okay. it's like a very similar to Natalie Portman and Closer character, like oh. a young woman coming into her sexuality and like trying to find love and connection uh-huh but like directed by a woman yeah <laughs> no shade to mike nichols but it's just do you know what i mean yeah it's very like no makeup mm-hmm. say, just, say less <laughs> i like how we go christina applegate anchorman okay tits mcgee is on vacation see to me she's more of a supporting actress in that movie but well i, I get what you mean <laughs> Nicole Kidman, Beth. Uh-huh. And then one of the greatest performances of all time, Jennifer Garner in 13 going on 30. <laughs> in Australia, called Suddenly 30. Really? I know this movie as Suddenly 30. Um, who's your winner? Aren't you going to ask why I don't have Kate Winslet for Maternal Sunshine? Why there? don't you have Kate Winslet for Eternal Sunshine in No there? good answer. <laughs> <laughs> My winner is Jennifer Garner, which mm-hmm. is psycho (laughs) okay but this is the thing these performances are good are all good but there's no one performance that's like 
the performance. The performance, yeah. which says less about these women and more about the writers. <laughs> about fucking movies in yeah. 2004. Totally. So who do you have? Um, I also am going to keep Catalina Sandino Moreno. I'm going to keep Hilary Swank. She's very good in the role, but I don't like... There really is nothing more to who she is as a person than horrible things happening to her. Yeah, and her attitude of like, oh, well, that's not, like, heroic to me. I'm sorry. No. Like, perseverance is just, like, inherent to women, I feel like. Like, there's nothing... Oh, my God. Like, I don't think there's anything... To me, that's a given. It's so clearly written by Paul fucking Haggis. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm keeping her because there aren't very many good options. I'm going to keep Kate Winslet. I'm going to add Nicole for birth. Absolutely. Um, and then I also have Jennifer Gardner. And again, I also will have her winning because she's delightful. She nails that physicality. She makes you she, laugh. She makes you cry. She is, Everything about it is absolutely effortless. It is quite the, like, balancing act she does in that movie. It is deceptively layered. Okay, let's keep going. Best actor. <laughs> we have Jamie Foxx winning for Ray. Don Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda. Johnny Depp in Finding Neverland. Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator, and Clint Eastwood in Million Dollar Baby. I'm going to keep Jamie Foxx. I'm going to keep Don Cheadle. I think I'm going to have Jamie Foxx winning. Mm -hmm. I don't think Ray is a good movie. (laughs) It's very fine. But I think he makes it all look incredibly effortless, and it doesn't feel just like an impersonation. I'm going to add Liam Neeson for Kinsey. I'm going to add Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. I think Jim Carrey is one of my favorite actors. For sure. He's in my my coven. We just, Mary just saw the Truman Show for the first time. Guys. Incredible. And then I'm going to add Will Ferrell for Anchorman. Okay. Because, again, one of our great comedic actors and just a wonderful performance the legend of ron burgundy how about the legend Legend of of will Will ferrell Ferrell. who do you have i also had jamie fox winning because i think also too you said it's not just an impression or an impersonation Mm -hmm. the fact that also that he came from like a comedy sketch background Mm -hmm. is like also dangerous territory to give for an actor in a biopic right but he it's not a character choice it's not a, it's not even an impression he's so good in it like yeah. in the first 10 minutes of the movie you're like yeah this is it yeah and yeah the movie is not has there ever been like a good biopic though well i feel like this you know really like, laid the blueprint for the next wave of for biopics. very mediocre biopics yeah like oscars are horny forum yeah and it's unfortunate i don't love when actors win for bad movies bad movies yeah but this isn't a bad movie it's just very like paint by numbers yeah yeah 
Um, so who do you who who else? Okay, so Jamie Foxx. I have Jim Carrey, Eternal Sunshine. The fact that he was not nominated for this is it's, absolutely bonkers bananas. It's insane he was not nominated for this. I have Liam Neeson for Kinsey. I have Don Cheadle for Hotel Rwanda. And I have Curveball, Denzel Washington for The Mentorian Candidate. Interesting. The Jonathan Demi film. I didn't care for that movie. I just find it very, like interesting to to note that it was not nominated for anything yeah like it's jonathan demi it's denzel it's meryl it's mm-hmm. america it's a it's a remake that's that's a great point i wonder if it's because it's very critical of um yeah america Exa- that's why i'm like oh but yeah. denzel's so good in it okay best director okay this one also light on your hats uh i don't think i kept any of the actual nominees okay well the actual nominees were clint eastwood million dollar baby martin scorsese the aviator taylor hackford for ray (laughs) alexander payne sideways mike lee vera so who did you have so i was really grasping at straws here I've got Brad Bird for The Incredibles. Hold for bus. I just had that in my headphones. (laughs) Hold for bus. Because The Incredibles is an amazing movie. Yeah. It's incredible, obviously. Um, I'm going to throw in Alfonso Cuaron for for Harry Potter and the Prisoners of Azkaban. (laughs) Continue. Um, Richard Linklater for Before Sunset. Mm Mm-hmm. I rewatched that again. Ugh. Oh my god! It's not, it doesn't quite hit me as hard as the first one does, or the third one. The third one. I actually have never devast- seen the third one. Okay, the third one was a shot in the heart. Yeah, but it really. God, they just—they get it. They fucking nailed that. They should be so proud of that. I think they are. And the, yeah, God bless. Um, and my very clear winner is Michelle Gondry. For Eternal Sunshine. This is my favorite type of sci-fi where it's all very analog. There's no chrome. There's no, like, fancy... Like, even their computers are, like... They're not flats. Like, they're, like... Right. Chunky white keyboards. Yeah. I love a chunky white keyboard in sci-fi. Oh, me too. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And it's about love. Yes. That's my favorite sci-fi. Analog sci-fi about love. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who are your nominees? Um, okay, I had Richard Linklater, Before Sunset, Michelle Gondry, Eternal Sunshine. I kept Marty. Okay. Mike Nichols for Closer, and Jonathan Demi for Manchuria Candidate. Interesting, Mike Nichols. Yeah. Okay. I thought he kept the tone. If the director is the story's shepherd, I feel like, or the custodian of the story, mm-hmm. I feel like he... He did it. Everything worked and clicked together. Yeah. I just okay. didn't like the pieces that clicked <laughs> on a moral, ethical level. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I agree with that. I would add him as my, my fifth. How about we get to we get to it, best picture. Here we go. Winning <laughs> best picture <laughs> in a major upset in this house. Million Dollar Baby, produced by Albert Ruddy, mm-hmm. who is the lead of the show The Offer. <laughs> Your favorite show. 
I watched three episodes and I was like, this is a good show. I never <laughs> finished it. But I feel like you reference it kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the costumes. And I, <laughs> and I thought Matthew Good was a great Robert Evans. Yeah. Anyway. It's interesting story. I okay, like movies now about that movies is, about movies. That is a Holly that is a Stranger Than Fiction Hollywood biopic I do want. The Robert Evans one? Yeah. Okay, but see that would Fuck have, Howard Hughes. That would have the Howard Hughes thing of like No, if we made that, it would be the real <laughs> deal. And it, you'd have his fucking jar of pubes or whatever <clears throat> in all its freakish glory. He was a freak. He was in, yeah. On many levels. On many levels. And he was very good at his job. Okay. <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> it's just so interesting to me that the guy who the show is about from the 70s is winning Best Picture in 2004 with this Clint is, Eastwood. Yeah. That's so weird. I don't know why that's interesting to me. The Aviator. Well, lost his edge. <laughs> Probably. Did you know The Aviator is produced by Michael Mann? I didn't. Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. I have none of these. <laughs> yeah, wait, me either. <laughs> uh, all right, who you got? Eternal Sunshine winning. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's the most, it's like best made acted clever clever deeply felt very like relatable but still whimsical or like relatable but but feels big like it feels Mm -hmm. like a big love story the kernel at the center of the story is relatable and then it's like the what they do with it is so clever yeah before sunset yep mean girls yep Fahrenheit 9-11. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Metallica, some kind of monster. Fuck yeah, I dude. I documentaries in there. I get it. I just... Okay. <laughs> Maybe this was 15-year-old Zoe, but seeing some kind of monster, I was like, this is storytelling. Yeah, it it is. It's so good. And yeah. it's like about about one of the biggest bands of all time going to therapy and fahrenheit 9-11 is incredibly important and the fact that i got nothing after when after he won what the year before yeah is so like such a fuck you because if the if best pictures are supposed to be reflective of the time absolutely like when we look back we're like okay parasite won you know what i mean parasite wins best picture like what two years before every billionaire in the world's net worth doubles Mm -hmm. that's so interesting absolutely okay absolutely i have also have eternal sunshine winning i have before sunset mean girls the incredibles it's the best marvel movie that's (laughs) that's never been made like, Marvel and DC are a fool's errand compared to The Incredibles. You know? I see what you're saying. I don't agree, but I see what yeah. you're saying. And then, um, I think you're correct. I'm going to add Fahrenheit 9-11 as my fifth. It's incredibly emblematic of it, 
the time. It's like, even in his approach to it, which is not unbiased, which is not, you know, the classic approach to documentary filmmaking, that in itself is also very emblematic of how, of the feeling of the time. There's a a fury and an, like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a cultural artifact. Well. (laughs) <laughs> it w- and it didn't get even nominated for anything for nothing um okay my how did this get laid was tom cruise <laughs> as it should be every, every year. year um excuse me who the fuck is that it, for this year is rachel mcadams and ryan gosling mine has to be mock ruffalo this look on him sure okay was who, who the fuck is that yeah oh it's mock ruffalo, ruffalo? <laughs> Who is your? How did this go? Napoleon died. <laughs> I have so many notes on Napoleon Dynamite, and we didn't even talk about it. Save it for another app. Um. Okay. This is my thought on Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, just really it. quickly, is this was huge for hot girls who decided they could also be funny because they like to affect weirdness like so random oh my god so random okay i feel like like putting your top lip on your teeth and flaring your nostrils (laughs) do you know what i'm like (laughs) it's like like Uh, performative weirdness yes it's like yes this movie was a fucking i feel like you were the exact age in which this is coming like vine girls that were too hot yeah for the medium right Vine girls that did a that did vines with full faces of makeup and their bits were like so random. Yeah. Oh my god, so random. Teen mags were like geek chic. Yes. Like, no, I remember this because geeks and geek being a word for like hot. My reference for it was marked by Mark Jacobs was geek chic. But this movie made fourteen million dollars. It also had incredible art direction. Yeah. And was very like Wes Anderson beta. A thousand percent. Which really appealed to me. Yeah. Kip really reminds me of Beastie Boys era Spike Jones. (laughs) It's so rude. Or like, um, like in the Praise You video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I see that. I want to write a thesis on this and like what this did for culture. Right. Because so many things spun off out of this. I'm curious. You said it only made $14 million. Okay, no, it made 46. It was, it had a budget of 400000 and it made $46 million. Also a perfect argument for shooting on film. Because yeah. it looks so It looks good that if you shot that digitally it would not be anything if it's on digital it's not getting to sundance and you can make a four hundred thousand dollar movie on film i think that's like the main takeaway to me it's like if you have a good concept and like a good enough script yeah you can shoot on film and you're unique and interesting and have a point of view yeah yeah a sense of style Mm -hmm. your own style Right. Okay, best dress. There wasn't one. No. It was a dire, dire year. Mine was Sandy Powell in that green. You don't see that green every day. Okay, let me look that up real quick. I I just think Andre Leon Talley, we are starved for beauty, you know. (laughs) 
And it's, of course, like I say every time, like, everyone looks beautiful, but, like, that's not interesting to me. No. I didn't mind Kate in her very frosted lemon burgundy sash. I think that's hideous. But I didn't mind the cut. And I liked that it was an interesting color choice. Vanessa Parody looked fine. (laughs) Kiki looked fine. Um, I don't hate Hillary Swank's dress, but I don't. Oh, like I it. hate her dress. <laughs> her dress makes me upset. My main reference for that dress is there's an episode of The Hills where <laughs> <laughs> where Whitney, yes, yes, where Whitney and, of and, Andre and, and Glossier girly Emily Weiss. This was when Emily Weiss was on the show. Um, do like a segment for local news where they like model yes. Oscar dresses and Whitney wears it and falls. Okay, but Os- Andre Leontali's like, you should be a model. Um, okay, this ceremony, I cannot stress enough how chaos is the only word for this ceremony. The choices. Oh my God, I are literally. Chaotic. It's like pushed. Tick. It's pushed into the recesses of okay. the folds of my brain. They decided to do like Miss America pageant style for all of to like make the below the line categories more interesting. Let's subject all of the nominees to standing on stage on stage while the presenter says their little intro and then presents the nominees. And then announces the winner. So the winner, standing in a Hunger Games line, the winner... Facing the audience. Facing the audience, steps forward to collect their trophy and all of the losers. It, like, really brings into focus the fact that there is a winner and four (laughs) losers (laughs) yeah every category and they do it for like editing and like yeah they're like how do we make the how do we make the other ones besides the ones we care about spicy okay but it's just so unfortunate that they're mostly white bald men oh yeah it complete it also brings very clearly into focus the demographics of the, of the academy okay and but who they nominate then so that's one part of it the other part of it is so to make it extra spicy they group all of the for other categories they group them all together in the audience so they're all sitting next to each other yeah so then for and other then the, below the line categories so then the presenter comes out and presents from the aisle yeah and then they stand up and they don't even, they're not even allowed on stage. Yeah. They are done they so dirty that they're not allowed to go on the Oscar stage and give their acceptance speech. They have to do it from two feet from where they're sitting. It's nonsense. It's so disrespectful. It's insane. And it's especially rude because the people in these categories are not actors. They don't know how to perform being at an award show. Absolutely. Obviously, being at an award show for an actor is a performance in itself. These people do not know how to do that. So they're standing on stage. They're sitting next to each other. Or sitting next to each other. They've just lost winning an Oscar. And they have to stand there while the winner walks up and pretend to be happy about it and then are shuffled off stage but also like they don't get to be with their families when they win that's so rude they don't get to kiss their wife 
or you know what i mean like for the people that do the aisle acceptance speeches you don't get to go on stage for the people that are announced from the stage you don't get to walk up it's it's robbing both people of like the full experience of winning an oscar it's so rude it's so rude but i can (laughs) see how they're like this will really shake it up (laughs) shake things up and you know what it did it did shake things up horrific (laughs) way the other absolute i i my brain actually broke when this happened okay beyonce was in kind of her ingenue i want to break into film era in february of 2005 i assume she was just about to do dream girls you know they're trying to like introduce her to the academy introduce her to the academy as a as option for next year option for next year she performs three of the five original songs. And for all of my middle school Frenchies out there <laughs> who were in French class between the year 2004 and 2012, let's say, there is filmic evidence of Beyonce performing Look to Your Path from Les Choristes. <laughs> I... You screamed. Screamed, and then my brain immediately shut off. I It was like, <laughs> I can, I cannot compute Beyonce singing this. Voici ton chemin, gamme Zubier Agarre. That was so incorrect. But she fucking puts her whole heart into... She performs Believe from the Polar Express. And she f- performs Learn to be Lonely from The Phantom of the Opera. I believe with Josh Groban. Of course with Josh Groban. Guys, Who else? Go to, our, go to Bjork's Egg. You gotta get you your, gotta eyes, get your on eyes, this eyes on this. Because it is a buried treasure. Okay. I, of cultural significance. We don't talk about this. and that No one knows about this. I think her team has buried this. But it's on YouTube. Um, and you know what? It's on our page. I also just want to point out that the other two songs that she did not sing <laughs> yeah. was obviously it needed one of them makes sense. The other one is really funny. Okay. One of them is Antonio Banderas singing a song from Motorcycle, Motorcycle Diaries yeah. in Spanish. That makes sense. Yeah. Then we had to have, we couldn't let Beyonce do it. We had to get the guys in Counting Crows accidentally in love. Adam Duritz had to but can you imagine if beyonce saying accidentally in love from shrek 2 that at the oscars that's maybe even that more, would have been culturally significant that would have that would have that would be on our instagram feeds oh we forever would never and always. forget that no that would be a tiktok but sound the specificity of like i know i'm not alone when i say this the like very specific place that lake harist holds in my heart <laughs> Because I was in middle school French in 2006. Is it and it's, French boys? It is a staple of the French curriculum in America. That's so funny. It has, yeah, one of my first most indelible crushes. You know who I'm talking about? She has to look it up. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to remember. Um, God, I. What the fucking character's name is? 
Yeah, Jean Baptiste Monier. I was fucking obsessed with this kid, and he plays Pierre. Like I know I'm not the only girl in America who feels this way about this movie. And then to see a giant of culture like Beyonce perform this song at the Oscars—that is a Venn diagram. I—it's a Venn diagram I didn't know I needed. And you know what? Thank God for Gil Cates. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> he showed us a great time. I just am obsessed with the fact that they were like, "Well, we've gotta have Adam Duritz say, not <laughs> yeah, Beyonce." She can't do that one. Wait, okay, but <laughs> Phantom of the Opera is huge for like he he had like nothing wrong with him and was like, "I'm a hideous beast." <laughs> Yeah. It's so like the male victim story. Yeah, like it's, it's like he has like a scratch. He has a scratch <laughs> and he's like no one will ever love me and it's so and it's he's like incel behavior. Such a brute. But it's so incel of like m- girls only like muscles. So I'm just going to be an asshole yeah. and never get girls. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that's we did it. Another one in the can. Um. Thanks. Next for... week is 2005. Things are looking a little bit brighter, but we're still in the darkness. We're still in the darkness. We're still making our way through the woods. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Zoe. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>